Please turn with me this morning to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect worth, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Well, friends, we're looking uh, this morning at just these verses, and uh, my title is uh, The Believer and His Trials. The Believer and His Trials. Now, we see here, my, uh, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now, we tend to use that word temptations in a very singular way uh, in our modern day. We tend to think of temptations only as the incitement to sin, the temptation to do something wrong, the temptation uh, to do something sinful. Uh, but in the Bible, in the, in the King James Version, where the older English is in use, the word temptation is actually used in two kinds of ways. It is used as an enticement to sin, but it is also used as the word uh, for trial and uh, tem uh, to, to, to be tempted, to be tested in that kind of a way. If you look at verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted of God, I am, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. That's referring to the enticement to sin. But when we read here in verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, that's referring to the trials and the testings that we face as believers. The one comes from the devil to make us to sin, to make us to fall, and then to condemn us. And the other one comes from God to test us, to prove us, to try us, to help us, to be a blessing uh, to us. Now, friends, uh, these trials are for our improvement and our, our, our benefit, as we shall uh, see. But there are, we have to say, just firstly, some preachers who teach something quite different. They teach, well, you come to Christ and your, all your problems are going to be solved. You become a believer in Christ and you're not going to have any more problems in, at all. Now, the Gospel does say, come to Christ, and your biggest problem will be solved. The barrier that keeps you from God. The barrier that keeps you from a personal relationship with God. That's the barrier. That's the biggest problem that man has. And it says, the Gospel says, come to Christ. He has dealt with that barrier. He has dealt with sin. And He has made a way for us to be reconciled with God. And that's the, that's, that's the, the biggest problem that we have. And that's a, an assurance that's given to us. This will definitely be taken away if you come to Jesus Christ and trust Him. But it doesn't tell us that other problems in life will be taken away. It doesn't tell us that you will no more have any financial difficulties. Some of these preachers are, are producing beautiful, expensive, colorful leaflets and tracts and distributed them. 
And you, you can pick them up on Power Street, usually on a Saturday or during the week even. They're there, being distributed. Wonderful tracks. But they're promising you something which is unbiblical. A life free from financial worries. A life free from sickness. A life free from trouble. Free, problem-free life. Oh, friends, have they not read the Bible? Have they not read what happens to the suffering apostles and saints uh, in the Scriptures? It's all, it's all so un- unbiblical. It's all so unreal. You feel that these people are not really living in the real world. And worst of all, they're giving the wrong impression, the wrong view of the Christian life to believers and unbelievers. I came across a lady I was talking to uh, in the open air. And uh, after talking to her, she, I asked her this very simple question, do you go to church? And she said, I stopped going. And I asked her, why do you stop going to church? And she said, she started relating what happened to her and how she, uh, her father had passed away and now she had to look after her mom full-time, uh, give her full-time care. And then she had a young baby as well to look after and it was all too much for her. And she left church because she was given the impression that life as a believer will be free from these kind of stresses and strains. And so she left because that, and I just showed her, well, this is part and parcel of the Christian life, but we have the Lord with us through these times. We're not exempt from, from these things. So trials, friends, are a part and parcel of our, the believer's life. Just because we are believers, it doesn't mean that we are exempt from pains and difficulties and hardships uh, in, in life. Those things that are common to outsiders, to those who are outside the church, are also uh, things that we, we will have to face as believers. And the Christian, we could say, probably has more trials than the unbeliever does. More difficulties than those who do not know the Lord. As a believer, well, he may have to put up with ridicule He may be called all sorts of names in his workplace behind his back. He may be laughed at. He may be teased because he goes to church on Sunday because he opens the Bible and reads the Bible and talks about the Lord uh, when he can and uh, brings God into the conversation and and he's looked on as a bigot and a, a strange kind of person because he does these things. He may be sidelined. He may be overlooked for promotion because of his faith. In some countries, well, friends, we read about people who are disowned because of their faith in Christ. There was a friend, he told me that uh, the day he became a Christian, his father threatened him, if you don't recant, if you don't cease from being a Christian, I'm going to cut you off from my will. But he continued. He continued and he was cut off uh, from the will. Uh, People, others, are imprisoned for their faith, disowned by their families, You know that in some Jewish families, what happens when you become a Christian? They carry out a funeral as if you're dead, as if you've died because you've gone over to become a believer, a Christian. These are some of our trials. But then again, also the believer, we could say, has more trials than the unbeliever because the Lord is training that person. The Lord is dealing with that person Oh, friends, the bill, we are unfinished articles. You've seen sometimes people uh, with a T-shirt, isn't it? God hasn't finished with me yet. And that's true. 
God is still working with us. There are still so many rough edges uh, to us, to our character. Sin is so embedded in our character that, that self-love is still deeply in us. We're still so much attached to ourselves. The pride is still very much a part of us, even though we love the Lord. And sometimes it's only through trials and difficulties, as we sang in that hymn just now, that, that God changes us. And that God deals with those particular sins. And God uses trials and difficulties to uh, sanctify us uh, further. There are graces that we have uh, that need to be developed. We have faith. But faith needs to be strengthened. And the Lord uses trials to change us, to improve us, to make us uh, better men and better women, um, more instrumental in His hands. Now... I don't want to give the wrong impression. If, you're, if, you, if you don't know the Lord here, I don't want you to think that every, uh, the Christian life is only one of constant trials. It's not. There are many ordinary days that we have, days when nothing great happens or nothing uh, difficult happens, no difficulty comes our way. There are days, many days of peace and rest, but there are, there are troubles in the Christian life. But when they come... As believers, well, we're not, we shouldn't be taken by surprise as though some strange thing is happening to us, as Peter says. We have to learn to be able to handle it in a biblical way. And that's what James is getting at in these verses. Uh, he's trying to help these believers to face their trials, to face their, their challenges in life uh, with a biblical attitude and mindset. Well, my brethren, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. These are trials that we fall into. It's not trials that we go looking for. It's not trials that we bring upon ourselves. Uh, the, uh, the word here is that we fall into. And the same word is used uh, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the, the man... He was going from one place, journeying from one place, from A to B. And as he was along that road, perhaps it was a deserted road, and he fell among thieves. There were uh, thieves suddenly ganged up upon him, surrounded him, took everything that he had from him, beat him up so badly, beat him up bad and blue, left him half dead on the road. It happened to him, out of the blue as it were. He didn't go looking for that kind of uh, trouble, an event to happen to him. So also our trials, that we, we fall into trials. They're not trials of our own making that we're thinking about here, but trials that are permitted by God, sent uh, by God. That time, you know, when the phone rings and uh, perhaps you, you just know something something's happened or you get that, that the, the message or from the other side from the other caller, some bad news that they conveyed to you. Or you hear uh, the consultant's diagnosis and that dreadful news that things are not looking good health-wise for you. Oh, you never went looking for these things. You fell into these things. We can, as we grow older, we fall into difficult, isn't it? Old age, we fall into old age, as it were. It happens to us, it comes upon us, and the infirmities of old age happen to us. And they're trials as well. We could think of them 
as well in a similar way. Uh, James says here, very diverse uh, temptations, various uh, trials, we could say. For these Jews, it was uh, persecution especially. They were being persecuted by their, they were outside of Palestine, in different places, scattered abroad, we see in verse 1. But they were suffering from fellow Jews, they were suffering from the Gentiles. In some cases, their, their property was, was taken from them. In some cases, they, in many cases, they lost their job because they couldn't join the idolatrous guilds that were in place at the time. And if you had a, a job as a carpenter or, or mason work, masonry worker, you had to belong to one of these guilds. But they were idolatrous, so they came out from them. They lost their living, they lost their income. You think of the impact that would have on their families. And how they would have to, how would they support them? They would be so anxious about all these things. These were the kind of trials for them. But for us, uh, it may be something different. It may be a kind of persecution. These kind of things are happening even today, where if you stand up for Christian standards, you may be persecuted. But usually our troubles may be a sickness, maybe a loss of employment. It may be a loss of business in some senses, a disappointment that happens in life, the loss of a loved one is hard to bear, people turning against us, injustice that we have to face, an ungrateful child could be a, a, a difficulty, a mean, unsympathetic boss who, who doesn't treat us uh, well, or so many things. Life is full of different kinds of hardships and pains and troubles uh, that come uh, to us. And, but each trials also uh, differ, isn't it, for each person. My trials are not yours, and your trials are not mine. We're all, uh, the Lord knows how much each one of us uh, can bear. Everyone's load-bearing is different. If you go, usually, you know, when before you cross a bridge, before you drive over a bridge, you'll see, usually there's a little sign saying a maximum load or uh, the weight, the maximum weight that this bridge can take of a particular vehicle, you know, 7.5 tons or whatever. And if you're over that limit, well, you, as a lorry, you have to find another way around. You can't use that bridge. So the Lord knows how much we can take. And he doesn't give to us more than we can bear. The scripture tells us, but we often think we can, we often think we, we can bear so little when the Lord really thinks we can bear a little bit more. Uh, let me illustrate that. I remember when we were in China, uh, in our early early days, and I remember coming out of a hotel and walking down a hill, and coming up the hill the other way was a was a man maybe in his forties, fifties, but he was carrying on his back. It was either, I cannot remember exactly, it was either a double wardrobe or a fridge and with a rope uh, tied around him. And he was carrying this, going up this steep slope. And I thought, wow, what's, what's he doing? And uh, obviously he could carry it because he was making good progress. On his own he was doing that. And we tend to think, isn't it, well, I can only take a little bit. But maybe we can really take a little bit more. So the Lord knows uh, how much uh, we can bear. Someone would say, Lord, it's enough. It's enough. I cannot take any more. All things are against me. 
But the Lord knows. He never gives us more than we can really bear. So, uh, friends, uh, what a, uh, what, uh, even though there is a variety of trials and different trials for each and every person, yet there is something that is common in all our trials. What's that? Well, it's here in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Every trial is a trying of your faith. The faith that you have in Christ. Do you remember when I, when I first came to Christ, I trusted Him. That was the very first moment I ever trusted uh, in the Savior. I can remember it specifically. There must be such a time in my life. I cannot say I'm a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Some people say that. No, friends. There must be a time when you can look back and say, maybe you can't say the exact hour, the exact day, but you have a time in your life when I can say, from that moment on, I believed in Christ. That's the moment I first gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ and began to trust Him alone for salvation. Not because my family was a Christian, not because I grew up in a Christian home. Those are good things. But I remember I personally trusted in Jesus Christ at a particular uh, time. And so it is for us, when we began, uh, uh, after that first initial trust in Christ, we began to trust Christ every day. We began to exercise trust in Him for all things. We began, we began to look to Him in all circumstances uh, of life and to depend on Him. Well, that must be tested. Do you really trust? Does, does he really trust in the Lord? Well, it, it can only really be tested on stormy days, on difficult times. That's when it really uh, comes uh, to the fore. When those uh, uh, difficult, new, that bad news comes to us, when those trials uh, happen to us, how do I respond? Will my faith hold at such a time uh, as that? I believe the promises. I believe that all things work together for good to them that love God. Well, that faith has to be tested. God will test that faith through trials and difficulties. So when those difficulties come, will I still say the same thing? Yes, Lord, I still believe. I cannot understand it. I cannot see it. I cannot comprehend what's happening to me. But still I believe that you are working out all things for my good. This is how uh, it, it, it is, friends. We are tested. Our faith is tested in the crucible of trials. You remember Abraham. Abraham was a man of strong faith. But he went from one degree of faith to another through trials, through difficulties. It all began when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and said, go to a place. Where shall I go? The Lord didn't tell him. He said, just go and trust me. And he went out trusting in God. And God led him to Canaan. And then God promised him, I'll give you a son and I'll give you many descendants, as, as many as the stars in the sky. So great will be your descendants. But he had not even one child as yet. He had no children. And for years and years and years and years, he had to wait on God. And he, he was childless until, uh, until he was 99 years old. Then God gave him a child. And then when uh, his child Isaac was grown up, God said, tested his faith again. 
God, uh, Abraham knew that all the promises of a Messiah and all the promises uh, of uh, further children was, were in Isaac. But God said, gave him a very specific trial, a unique trial, only for Abraham, not for anyone else, not for us, but asked him to sacrifice Isaac, his son. And Abraham obeyed. Abraham believed that God could raise up Isaac again, even if he had killed him. He had faith, but every time his faith was uh, tested. But the proving of his faith and the proving and testing of our faith, friends, is not for God's benefit. God knows already how we are. God knows how we think. God knows the level of our faith. But it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. God knows already. But yeah, if, if my faith holds me up in the midst of a trauma, then when I reflect on those things, I can take comfort from it to know that my faith is genuine. My faith is the real thing that I have. I can look back and say, well, I know I trusted in God still during that difficulty, in that trial. I know that I look to Him still, and that will encourage me. On the contrary part, it may show me the weakness of my faith. Oh, I failed God. I didn't trust Him in that time. I got panicked about things. I turned to other people. I turned to the world to try and find a solution for these things. I never looked up. I never depended on God. And that may show, well, my faith is weak and needs a further uh, development and uh, advance. Well, friends, how, so trials are our lot, but how should we uh, respond to trials? Surprisingly here, uh, James says we should count it all joy. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. You can imagine him there when this, the church where this letter was being read out for the very first time. And he's speaking to those persecuted Jews. And uh, this letter is being read out. There's no real, there's no uh, long greeting like Paul gave us. There's no benef early benediction. Yeah, just a very quick greeting and then straight, almost Bluntly, abruptly, he, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse uh, temptations, into trials. But James, uh, friends, is, is not unsympathetic to their trials. But James is teaching them, this is the way you need to look at your trials. He's not telling them to be happy. He's not telling them uh, just to feel uh, joyful. He's not telling them to be stoics and just to put away your feelings and just pretend you're, you're, not, uh, you're not suffering and you're not feeling the pain. That would be so unnatural. That would be so unhuman to be, to be like that. We are men, we are women, we feel these things. We feel the bitterness of the, of the trials. We feel the sadness. We feel the stress of, of, of life's uh, problems. We feel the concern when things happen. We're not, James is not saying to us, don't feel these things. But he's addressing not our feelings, but our minds. He's, when he used the word, counted all joy, he's referring to our minds. This is how you must think about your trials. Count it as joy. The word Count here means that, uh, to lead, to lead out uh, before the mind. 
And what James is saying is, let the leading thought in your mind when it comes to trials be one of all joy. Think about it in a different way. This must be your biblical attitude. This must be your biblical response. Let the prevailing thought, the commanding thought uh, in your mind about trials be one of all joy. Paul thought the same way. In Romans chapter 8, he said, For I reckon, a thinking word again, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. He said, when I compare these two, I compare all that I'm going through now as an apostle, and I compare the glory that will be revealed in us in, in heaven, well, I reckon these things are nothing. These things are nothing to be compared with the things that are to come. Have a different mindset is what James is saying when you're faced with trials. Think of it in a different way. When we face trials, you, oh no, we, we want to be free from them. We want to be, uh, get away from them as soon as possible. That's our usual mindset. But uh, James is saying, think of it differently. He says a similar thing in verse 3. Knowing, knowing this, be aware of this, that the trying of your faith worketh uh, patience. And this is uh, what, uh, what he wants us to know, to think of things, our trials, uh, biblically. If we uh, think of them in, in such a way, if we handle our trials biblically, well, friends, half the battle is won already. All joy. All joy, he says. That means... Uh, when you have trials, when you go through a particular predicament in life, think of God. Think of it as the God who has sent it. Don't just take it as coming from men. Don't just take it as an unlucky sort of thing that has happened to you. Take it from God's hands. Or take it as counted all joy. After all, you prayed for more grace. You prayed for more patience, and then that impatient person came to try you. You prayed for more faith. These things you desired of the Lord. Lord, increase my faith. Well, the Lord sends these trials uh, to Im improve you. God is working in the trials. So you can see it. I look beyond the difficulty and the pain to see what God is doing uh, in it. And in that way, you can count it all uh, joy. Think of all joy as well. It may be a witnessing opportunity. What is happening to you may be observed by other unbelievers. And it may be the means, it just may be the means by which they come to church and by which opens their closed minds to be more receptive to the gospel because they see the way that you are in your trials, in your difficulties. This happened to an, uh, an early church father by the name of Justin Martyr. And he saw something in the Christians. He saw their honesty in the, in the Christians. He saw their steadfastness as they went for persecution, uh, as they were being persecuted. And he, that moved him and that made him realize they have something I don't. And he became a Christian and a, an avid and zealous follower uh, of the Lord. Trials may also, will also increase our usefulness. Through trials, we learn to be more sympathetic uh, towards others. And so we can think of, oh, 
God is changing me for the better. He's making me a more concerned person, a more a person who will feel more for others. So this, friends, should be the leading thought in our minds. Don't let other thoughts spoil, spoil it. You can. Self-pity, complaining thoughts, a paralyzing sadness, a sadness that just overwhelms us that we cannot see the Lord and, and, and hinders us from exercising faith. Friends, don't let those be the thoughts. But uh, this thought that it is counted all joy. Well, very quickly, another benefit of trials, as James tells us here, is that it produces patience, knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces, worketh patience. Not patience with other people. You're waiting for somebody, and you're waiting and waiting a long time for them to come. You have an appointment, they're late. It's not that kind of patience that is in mind, but it's rather endurance and perseverance, a a fortitude uh, of mind, a holding up uh, in times of trouble, an inner persevering strength for today and for tomorrow. Our friends, we need this as well. This is what God wants to work uh, in us. You know, just like parents. You're a parent, you have a child. You want to not only give them a good education, you also know that life has its challenges. And we fear, isn't it, for our young people today, there's so many challenges that they face. And we sadly we hear about many who are uh, facing mental difficulties from a very young age. And we hear about suicides among young people. And we're concerned, so we want to make sure not only on the one hand we're giving them a good education, but on the other hand that we are preparing them for the trials and difficulties of life so that they can handle it in a better way. And same with God. He prepares us uh, for endurance. He prepares us for the challenges through the trials uh, that Excuse me. He prepares us uh, for the trials that we face. And uh, this is one of the chief benefits of trials, that it develops this grace of endurance in us. If we let it, if we let it, can I stop it from working? Yes, friends, you can. I can lose the benefit of a trial. If I complain, if I murmur, if I resent what's happening to me, if I fall to pieces, well, it may be I have to go through the trial again because I fail, as it were, the first time. Maybe God has to send it to me a second time. So, our friends, a good work is happening uh, uh, to us, and we, but we shouldn't hinder it. And then, uh, finally, also, this verse tells us the purpose, another purpose of trials, not only endurance, but also spiritual maturity. Trials bring us on from being, as it were, children, spiritual children, to being spiritual uh, adults. It com- trials completes us. Trials matures us. There's a, there's a, a, a probability uh, that we'll probably be lopsided with our trials. We may be only developed in one or two graces and may neglect or miss out on others. We may be strong, for example, in kindness, but we may be weak uh, in patience. 
We may be good with knowledge and be strong in knowledge, but we may be weak in, in gentleness. We may be strong in faith, but we may be lacking in brotherly love. And so trials come to make us those well-rounded people, well-rounded believers, mature believers, uh, ready uh, for life, ready to stand on its own. It completes our character. Of course, our, our character will never be completely uh, right, as it were, until glory, until we see the Lord. Well, friends, in closing, see all your trials as coming from your Father's hand. God sends it for a good, for your purpose. Uh, look, don't look at the one who is against you in the office. Don't look at the second cause. Look at the first cause. Take it as coming from Him. He's using these things for your blessing, for your good. Remember what Job said? Job, after all that had happened to him, he said, the arrows of the Almighty are within me. He saw it from God, all that happened to him. And uh, the psalmist, uh, he said in Psalm 39, and verses 9 and 10, it was you who did it. It was you who did it. I remember a pastor, and his pastor had a stroke. And the pastor was struggling to come to terms. Why did he have a stroke? Why should it happen to him? And he came across these words. It was you who did it. Remove thy stroke from me. He took it from, the, from God's hand. And that, then he understood. Christ did the same thing, isn't it? Christ took and drank his father's cup. That cup which was so very bitter so very painful to him, so very costly to him, he took it from his father's hand when he went to the cross and paid for the, the punishment of our sins and made a way for us to be forgiven if we will trust him and believe in him. Well, the, the greatest trial of all, he went through and took it for us. So friends, think on your trials in this biblical way. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, various temptations. Well, let's close by singing our final hymn, number 509. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. 509.